Welcome to the Bitcoin Zodiac, the podcast that explores the intersection of finance and astrology, where we use a combination of spirituality and logic to help us connect the dots in the markets as well as in life. Hosted by Corinne, Claire, and Alexandra, who come from a diverse background, bringing with them a wealth of knowledge and experience in the realms of astrology, cryptocurrency, spirituality, yoga philosophy, day trading, and of course, Bitcoin. In each episode, we explore a different aspect of the economics of the markets, from following Bitcoin to more complex topics like blockchain governance and decentralized finance. But we don't just stop there. We also examine and discuss the astrological implications of these topics, exploring the different zodiac signs, the houses, the moon phases, and how they might approach financial decision-making and investment strategies. Join us on this journey as we explore the intersection of these two worlds that are often thought to be at odds with one another, finance and astrology. Whether you're a seasoned crypto investor, a day trader, or just starting to dip your toes into the world of Bitcoin and blockchain, the Bitcoin Zodiac is a podcast for you. So sit back, relax, maybe take some notes and come expand your consciousness with us through the world of the financial markets with an astrological lens. Good morning, ladies. Good evening. Good morning. How are we doing? Good evening. Doing well. Doing well. Yeah. How has this, uh, what have we had? The last uh, full moon. Sagittarius full moon. Your Sagittarius flare. Yes, yes. It's it's always a deep one for me, for sure. I mean, as I've said on previous podcasts, I kind of schedule out time during the full moon just to be alone and to be you know very inward looking and just you know let things come up and I mean it's my natal new full moon sorry and so um yeah really interesting things I had a lot of like inner child things come up which is which is interesting for me because I I'm not really drawn to inner child work that much I respect it and what have you but I'm I'm ju- it's generally not my go-to. I'm more of like a shadow work kind of person or, you know, kind of Kundalini yoga, breath work, that kind of thing. I'm not, I'm not super big on, on the inner child stuff, but I definitely mm-hmm. dove into that, this, this, um, this full moon. It was really good. Just sort of honoring, you know, my inner child's experience. I think I'm not drawn to it so much because I kind of, you know, I look back on my childhood and it's generally pretty happy pretty you know what I mean but um it's just interesting to kind of go back and honor her experience so yeah that's what I've been up to that's really beautiful and I love how once again everybody experiences these moons in such different ways yeah I, I had a mad like download and pieced so many of the pieces of the puzzle together for me that I've probably been waiting on for almost a year on like specific things around my business and the direction of specific parts of my business and I was like yes Sagittarius energy like give like fuel my fire you know like I don't have any key Sagittarius placements but obviously I have a big part fire being a Leo and I was just like fueling it and downloading and I scribbled on pa- pieces of paper and my whiteboard and all over the place so a bit oh. of a different 
experience there. <laughs> Yourself, Alex, said, that's oh, so fire. So fire. That's so Bitcoin. <laughs> that is so Bitcoin. So we'll, Bitcoin. We'll, uh, we'll get that to work. <laughs> <laughs> Figured I'd drop it now. <laughs> See how it feels. Yeah. That's so fascinating, Corinne, because I think in terms of like, I always think of Sagittarius energy as this kind of like warrior, you know, with this arrow mm -hmm. that kind of, it's very like directional energy. And um, so it's so interesting that you were sort of channeling that energy through your business because you have so many different facets of your business that you're so genius in, you know, coaching people, mentoring people um teaching people it's so it's so interesting so it's so cool that you were kind of using that directional energy in a really productive way I think that's amazing yeah no thank you it was very really great and you know it was fun kind of funny because I always think about I'm like full moon is for releases mm. right whereas the new moon is for the new and within that though it was interesting to be like I was releasing so much of the past that I knew I needed to let go of to then head in this, call it new direction, right? So mm. yeah, lots of releases. It was really cool. Wow. Wow. And we're heading into now coming up will be the Gemini new moon um, mm. in the 11th house. So 11th house all about central banks and people of authority so wow. oh wow people... how fitting <laughs> what a coincidence we've got so much to talk about that there's been a lot that's been happening in between in crypto in between our last episode um so I think Gemini you know is this air sign associated with communication intellect versatility and adaptability i love me some gemini energy i have dated Aww. several gemini's both my parents <laughs> the gemini's it's my opposing sign to my my son um yeah. but it's a really fun exciting energy but can also be a little confusing a little a little hectic yes. um you know a little <laughs> i just a little what do you want kind of energy oh, around like pick a side say one thing do another I mean the beautiful quality about um Gemini and maybe Alex will relate to this because I see it very similar to um Aquarius energy but a different expression of I think oh, a beautiful God. quality about Gemini's is, and Aquarius is that they can really hold several truths at once you know this can be true this can be true this Ooh. can be true they have the ability to hold um different ideas at once whereas like my Sagittarius energy is very much like no this is this is the way this is the truth right this is how it is whereas I think um you know it's important in this time to be able to have that capacity to let things play out hold different um, different avenues and let things play out. Yeah. When you were saying that, what I got was 
Well, Gemini and Aquarius are both air signs. And I think yeah. like the four winds, you know, the four, the north wind, south, east, west, and the winds being able to just blow in different directions. You can stand outside and feel the wind shift directions. You can, um, and we're, we're the sign of air. So all the different air molecules, I mean, you can't really contain air. It just is. So yeah. Mm a good comparison holding multiple views being able to see multiple truths embody multiple truths see different um parts of the uh, yeah and analyze multiple perspectives as well yeah. and i think that that's that's definitely coming up in the crypto space what do you think Perrin? yeah definitely i i'm just here actually looking at the chart and i'm just looking at the fact that so much has been dropping in altcoins and Bitcoin's <laughs> just chilling. Yeah. And I'm like, if we're here talking kind of like about Gemini and could you call it even kind of like a duality? And I'm just like, is this where we start to see a division start to occur more and more between Bitcoin and the alt? I don't know why that's just like kind of like what came to me as you ladies were speaking and I was just looking at the charts um, because everything is going through the or rather like you said you know we're going to have this new moon occurring in the 11th house um, everything in regards to um, I can't think of the word that you just said before um, central banks and people of authority central banks and just centralization right mm -hmm. and what we're seeing at the moment with the coinbase and binance and the sec and gary and we'll dive into all of that and yeah. i'm just like haha -ha, like who are you gonna sue for a bitcoin yeah like Bitcoin is that one uh -huh. thing that you can't be like, oh, hey, like, I'm going to sue Satoshi Nakamoto. Like, where, where are you going to send that email? You know what I mean? Like, and so I'm excited for Gemini energy. Um, it's just perfect timing. Um, and also just on Gemini, we also just had Mercury go into Gemini. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big sigh of relief because Mercury obviously has been playing with us for a little bit, going into retrograde and creating all this, call it chaos or challenges. And now finally, you know, it's Gemini is, um, or Mercury is the ruling planet of Gemini. And so it's finally like at peace. And we can maybe finally get some clarity around communication and decisions too. Yeah. Well, I think um, Gemini's influence can really sort of enhance the dissemination of financial information, market news, and economic data. So it's a period where communication channels are very active. And mm -hmm. there's an increased, you know, focus on analysis, research, and discussions within the financial world. And we're, we're already seeing this. Um, so expect there to be a lot of information to process mm -hmm. during this time. And um, Gemini is really changeable in nature. So, you know, this can maybe lead to some volatility as well. Um, so it's, it's going to need some adaptability. 
Um, yeah. But Gemini's love that ride, love that roller coaster. Um, Ooh, but it can definitely influence. I think it is to me. This is you know, especially because Mercury is also in Gemini. It just mm. enhances that. It makes that particularly influential. So it's really going to be a drive of information. And um, I think what's interesting that's happening with Coinbase, particularly. I mean, we'll we'll talk a little bit about Binance because. You know, Corinne had some really interesting things that she noticed in Binance's chart um, a few episodes ago that we'll we'll speak about because um, you know it's just amazing to to see how these things have played out. Um, but I think in terms of Coinbase, it's a really interesting time. Um, I you know I watched an interview with Brian Armstrong, which is the Coinbase CEO, yesterday. And he's ready to take on this challenge. And I think that it's it's really interesting. He has, I think Coinbase has been one of the companies that have really wanted to legitimize this industry and have really pushed for um, a framework with which to navigate crypto legally in the United States. You know, and there are a lot of people that are against regulation, but, um, you know, We've spoken about this before. We, you know, it there needs to be some kind of regulation, and the way the SEC are going about it is really interesting. They don't target specific projects um, directly and sue them. They, you know, they they are going directly for the exchange, which is then limiting the ability to invest in these different projects. I thought also it's definitely interesting to mention that. The list of security, possible securities that Gary Gensler listed, you know, notable not mentions were Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, So previously, Bitcoin has been defined as a commodity. Mm -hmm. And um, when Gary Gensler was um, teaching about crypto, (laughs) when he was... Um, a lecturer, lecturer at um, MIT, he also declared ETH not a security because of its decentralization. So um, I think it's really interesting to see how this plays out. I think it's going to take years, um, which is really sad. Um, but it, it's, um, I think Brian Armstrong is really brave and is is really ready to take on that fight and he's going to get clarity through the courts because they have tried and tried with um, the SEC. Apparently they've met with the SEC over 30 times in the last year and they still have no regulatory framework with which to work around. And um, But the fact that this is going through the courts, it is going to take years. It is going to be a really hard battle, which they may lose. Um, mm. We don't know. No one knows how it will play out. But um, what it does is it just sets the U.S. back, you know, like it's really sad because the U.S. is known for its, you know, championing innovation and entrepreneurship. That's what the U.S. is built on, you know, whereas it's you're seeing a shift back to the U.K., back to London, back to Hong Kong, you know, Hong Kong also. I said to you guys earlier this week in our group chat that. I've noticed like while trading that Bitcoin is making its moves in the Asia session, which is really annoying for me because it means I have to get up early. Um, but it's it's Damn. making bigger moves. <laughs> I know. 
it's been perfect for me as a trader because I can trade the London session and the New York session in the evening for me. Whereas um, the Asia session is obviously in the, you know, starts in the morning for me, but that's when Bitcoin has been making its moves over the last month. So you're seeing a shift away from the US and um, I, I just, I think that's really silly, but um, it, it is what it is. What do you guys think about all that's happening in crypto? Ooh. Pluto and Capricorn. Mm. It's so Pluto and Capricorn. We said this in the last episode. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a power struggle between the old and the new, you know, and this is exactly what it is. Release, reform, yeah. reconsider traditions and structure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, what's so interesting is, you know, you just said the perfect words of like what I had written down for this next new moon on June 18th, Venus and Pluto going to cause some power struggles around finances is mm -hmm. literally what the energy is all about. So <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. Like that's literally oh. what's going on during this period. And, you know, I, I, I want to take it one step back because I found something really interesting in the astrology of, sure. so tomorrow we have, and as we're recording this, it's the 12th of June. So tomorrow is the 13th of June and we, and we have the Heinemann documents having to be brought public tomorrow. Um, and so that is all the case or a, a big part of the case around Ripple XRP, right? Mm. And so what this Heinemann documents are all about is, um, I believe he's a commissioner. I think it's William Heinemann. Um, he's a commissioner of the SEC and, um, you know, he had claimed and there were documents where he claimed that Ethereum is not a security. But what is a big part of this case that they continue to say XRP is a security. And if they come out tomorrow and say that Hyman did say Ethereum is not a security, therefore Ripple Labs is being like, okay, well then tell us how ethereum differs to xrp and how xrp is a security and so if this happens i think we could see some really interesting price movements in ripple and what i noticed looking at ripple's astrology is that uranus and i, I i'd like to bring up uranus a few times throughout today's session uranus mm -hmm. has been going through the eighth house which is death rebirth restructure um of xrp the token since about 2020 or for maybe mm -hmm. even 2019 so right around when the case started with ripple or xrp and it literally two days ago just moved out of the eighth house wow. and now that all of this is happening and just looking at other things inside of the astrology of XRP, I'm like, yo, it's about to take off. And I think it will really take off. Like the astrology gets really good for it in April, 2024. So no financial advice there, of course, but just from an astrological point of view, I was like, the timing is incredible. And I think that we're going to see some really great moves happening soon with XRP. Wow. Interesting. 
so interesting. You continue to list it as a security. And this is the biggest problem that now, you know, Cardano, Polygon, uh, Solana, Mm -hmm. all being listed as a security. They're like, how can you define a security based on a structure or definition that was created in in 1946 was when (laughs) securities and the... um, the the test I, I can't think of the right word for it there's a test that they do where there's like four outlines of what is classified as a security and if you don't fall under those then you're classified as a commodity yo it was created in 1946 like we need an upgrade because a lot of these companies are coming out like again cardano polygon solana they're like we're digital commodities you can't define us from this old thing. So it's chaos. Like I yeah, just, I, just I think it, it comes Nobody around. knows what they're doing. <laughs> no. And this is the thing that it should, you know, it really should, they have dropped the ball on it. And I think they've purposely dropped the ball on it because they wanted, they wanted to just cause ambiguity. They wanted no clarity because really, People can't build companies without any certainty. You know, they're not that people are not going to take those risks, um, you know, to build companies and then to have them a couple of years later be labeled as a, as a security and be completely wiped out. Now, you know, we're not naive. I would say that like probably 80, 90 percent of pro- projects within crypto probably are securities, you know, and that's fine. Like, I hope what comes out of these cases is a framework on how people can build these companies and launch them, you know, as secure, except that they are securities. But the question around things like Solana, things like Cardano, et cetera, is is around decentralization. And, um, you know, I mean, Bitcoin started off centralized, right? But then it became decentralized there was a pathway and that's how it enabled it to become a commodity um Mm -hmm. and so there's kind of talk will there be sort of a a period after launch like a safe harbor period i think they call it where it has a pathway to become decentralized and therefore is not technically a security or but there's there's just a redefinition that needs to happen and it, it just hasn't happened and it's sad that it's happening to be fought out in the courts because it's just a very unproductive way of doing it, to be honest. But um, but it is yeah. what it is. And um, I also feel the timing of it is very interesting because, um, you know, chances are Gary Gensler is going to be gone um, if there is a new administration or, you know, things things will change, I think. People have said that he's angling for Janet Yellen's position at the Treasury, um, which is oh. just the career path, isn't it? Oh boy. I don't know if you ladies saw, but um, he might be getting fired because yeah. he was found for insider or rather manipulating the markets when he tried to short $2.5 million worth of Bitcoin. But, oh, whoops, didn't he say under oath that he did, he's never owned any Bitcoin or Ethereum? I'm like, is this man going to jail yet? Or like, literally, like I said before that we started recording, Mr. Burns, like, that's what he is. That's what he reminds me of. Yeah, he's just... He's just following orders, honestly. He's just following orders, but... Mm -hmm. 
my question in all this as well is like you know and i've asked this question many many times and no one can ever give me a like legitimate answer because i mean you can see what is happening like first they're taking out the banks that that service crypto that's happened now they're talk taking out the exchanges that service crypto and you know yes bitcoin is not defined as a security even ethereum is not defined as a security but these things do still affect the inflows of money into the system um and i think that 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 has been the goal is it's really slowing down the adoption i mean at the end of the day i still you know it doesn't it doesn't stop bitcoin because bitcoin was designed as a p2p um network it wasn't ever designed to be bought through a centralized exchange that that wasn't part of bitcoin's design so it it just has made it easier and has facilitated adoption you know in a different way but it's caused its own problems and so i think you know that's part of the plan first the banks then the exchanges you know and my question is what are they going to do to try and turn off bitcoin you know can they do that is there something to do and no one can ever answer me that like whenever i've asked the question how does bitcoin fail people always have these crazy things like oh well the internet will be wiped out nuclear war will be new and i'm like to to be very honest like in the, in the instance of nuclear war i'm not going to be caring about bitcoin like very rare, it's not going to be my priority you know um so there's never but i think it's naive to think that there will not be an attack you know an attempt to turn off bitcoin so um yeah i'm interested any listeners have any valid um or serious um <laughs> serious theories about what's possible in that way i'm i'm all ears to hear that yeah please yeah. drop a dm <laughs> yeah drop a dm yeah i think i think that apart from those extreme cases of yeah like just no more access to internet or power um you know i think the only other potential option would be you know um around the the answer of the question of what is money right and what is money it's literally just something that people have decided to use as their means of exchange and so the only other option could be yeah people choose not to use bitcoin but i think we're way past that point we are way past that point if people didn't want to use bitcoin then it would have already failed um okay. so to answer your question nothing else except for the the cyber power attacks which we won't go down that rabbit hole but <laughs> yes, I, I know i'm like no no i mean things that like oh, you know are in the are in the reality of like you know and i look i do think that there will be legislation i think there will be countries that outlaw private you know bitcoin holding bitcoin privately i do think that that will happen but i think um you know in the us i think it's going to become a voter issue i mean we've already seen um you know a presidential candidate from the side of the democrats a presidential candidate from the side of the republicans and an independent you know speak on speak at the bitcoin conference i think they're going to these are going to be one of their issues that they run on and i think it was anthony scaramucci that said 75 million people in america hold bitcoin 
I mean, that's nearly enough to win an election. So, look, I don't know where he's getting those figures from. I don't know whether that those are all eligible voters, whether those are all, you know, wallets that are held by single people or that, you know, one person holds multiple wallets. I don't know where he's getting that information. But still, it's a substantial amount of people that hold Bitcoin within the United States. And um, as he said, he said it becomes like a decentralized lobbying organization. And so I think we're going to head into some very interesting times where in, you know, all over the world where this is going to become a voter issue. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see. And I think there'll be some countries that can, you know, I think at the moment, countries have a choice where they can either go, okay, we see the existential threat of this, you know, Bitcoin really becoming adopted. I mean, the adoption curve from Bit for Bitcoin is like nothing we've ever seen before. You know, people mm -hmm. can listen to headlines and say, oh, Bitcoin is dead or Bitcoin is too volatile or risky or whatever. But if you look at the actual facts and the charts, the adoption curve for Bitcoin is like nothing we've ever seen before. It's steeper than the internet. So, internet. you know, it's like, it's crazy. And so countries, I think at the moment have a choice whether they go, okay, this is something that we can't control. Are we going to back this and tax it? Or are we going to attempt to block it and run the risk of kind of being left behind? So I think that's where they're at. And I think if they try and block it, they also run the risk of creating like a shadow economy within their own country that they didn't control. So I think mm -hmm. that's the kind of balancing act for, for countries at the moment. Very Pluto and Capricorn. Very much so. Very, Very much. Well, they're in for a rude awakening start of 2024 when uh, adios to Pluto and Capricorn until however many yeah. centuries, decades, decades. But yeah, yeah, it's super, super interesting times. And just looking back really quickly from, you know, the last episode that we recorded and headed towards the full moon, I I just look at like Bitcoin's price in general and I'm like, it's honestly just in consolidation. Like it's just mm -hmm. really, it's holding up. Yeah. And I yeah. just, I know I said it before and I just continue to look at it and I'm like, you go Bitcoin. Like it's, yeah, it's, I just, I, it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. And yeah. the astrology looks so good for it. I did kind of have like one red flag being Pluto going back and retrograding back into Capricorn, but mm -hmm. we can't back test that because we don't, we've never seen it happen in Bitcoin's lifetime. Yeah. Um, Cause it was already with Pluto and Capricorn. Um, and that was the red flag that we've already kind of passed. Didn't see any significant effects yet. Um, and then one red flag, which maybe we'll talk about going into the future, um, that I might be seeing. But apart from that, yeah, Bitcoin's just, I'm just so proud of it. I feel like a proud friend. I'm just <laughs> doing it. I love that. I love that interpretation. And yeah, I, I do always find it fascinating because, I mean, I see outside of astrology, I see some 
red flags on the horizon that that make me uncomfortable with the markets in general. I mean, there is about to be a trillion dollars worth of treasuries issued, um, <laughs> you know, that need to be bought. And um, I think Janet Yellen says in the next six weeks, they expect to have <laughs> the, the treasury back up to the treasury balance back up to um 700 700 you wow. know 700 billion right so where does that money come from generally it comes you know it comes from obviously other central banks other banking institution but it also comes from people seeing treasuries as a safer asset so you know, is that going to cause people to leave the stock market and run into these, run into treasuries? And what kind of news would cause that? Um, so, yeah, the, there's there's that shoe that also may drop, um, and obviously the continued the continued thing of crypto. So um, the continued lawsuits with crypto. But um, yeah. Corinne, should we talk about Binance a little bit because? When you first called that a couple of episodes ago, I just found it so, so fascinating. And um, really, it's it's so interesting to see some of these aspects played out. So what did you see in, in Binance's chart? Yeah, so what we spoke about, about Binance, and I believe it was on episode three, in case any listeners want to go back and listen to that episode um, it was really around eclipse season and, you know, eclipses bring about things that occurred six months prior to or that occurred the prior um, eclipse. And so that's what kind of like got me thinking. I was like, okay, let's go look at like other exchanges because the eclipse previous to that, we'd had the FTX saga occur. And that's where looking at Binance's chart we saw where the eclipse was happening and the eclipse was happening on 29 degrees of Aries and 29 is the critical degree already. So we were like, oh, oh, red flag in general, what's going to happen? And this is for in general, so not just specific to finance. And then looking at Binance's chart, the eclipse was occurring directly um, conjunct to Binance's Uranus. Okay. So Uranus, when it comes to financial astrology, is really important. And even more so for crypto, because Uranus is the planet of innovation, revolution, technology. Um, and also like for us, um, Uranus, as it moves around in our personal charts, it really like defines distinctive chapters that are in our life and then also in society. So it's really, really important. But what Uranus does is really like the key word here of like revolution and it can be very unpredictable. And if anything, actually Uranus is also the planet of earthquakes. It governs earthquakes. So, so just from that energy, you can think like, okay, eclipse occurring directly on Uranus that's probably going to shake some things up for whatever chart it is that we're looking at. Um, you know, I, I think we've mentioned it here in the past as well. Like, for example, Terra, Terra Luna, when it um, also had its DPEG and all of that, 
in one of the past eclipses, even there, what happened? The eclipse was directly on the natal Uranus of Terra, uh, Terraform Labs. So um, seeing that happen for Binance, and it happened specifically in its seventh house, and seventh house has everything to do with exchanges, valuation, methodologies, or scandals, it's like, okay, then some sort of scandal, something big is going to happen around what? Around its exchange. Um, so yeah, Uranus is a really important planet, um, which again, I'm going to touch on and remind me because there is a key date coming up for Bitcoin that something's happening to Bitcoin's Uranus and I don't want to forget it. Um, but just on Binance, yeah. So here we are, that happened on the eclipse, which was the first eclipse, the 20th of April. And we have to remember that eclipse season always lasts up to um, six weeks or 42 days after the eclipse. So we're only actually going to be fully out of the eclipse energy as of the 16th of June. So that's why like, it's kind of normal that this narrative has been building since that eclipse. Um, and remember, you know, astrology, it doesn't always pinpoint the date specifically, but it can definitely give us a heads up as to like, okay, things are going to start to get triggered and especially around eclipse season. So, um, and here we are, here we are that I don't want, I don't know if to say like poor Binance or like, I don't know how I feel about them, um, but <sighs> You know, they just have, um, you know, they were extracted or they they chose to remove themselves from Canada. I don't think that was really by choice. I think they had some key obligations there that Binance recently had to um, stop providing their services in Canada. Um, and now being sued by the SEC and it's interesting because I was reading, I believe off the top of my head, there's like 13 allegations that were, or charges against finance. And they were mainly around, um, you know, um, insider trading that mm -hmm. the CEO, um, CZ, you know, um, apparently was uh, doing. So there's your scandal. <laughs> <laughs> around an exchange and um yeah and you know, also commingling of funds as well they've right. asked sort of some of those kind of things which is sort of alluding to ftx now i'm really hoping that these things haven't been happening with finance and they just have been attacked because they really are innovators they built the biggest crypto exchange on the planet they really were ahead of their time. And um, so I hope that these kind of things aren't true and they're able to just sort of fight against those things and keep running. And they they do not bow the knee to regulators that, are, that try to stifle their business. They just go, okay, we can't operate in this country. But obviously, mm -hmm. if these kind of dodgy things have been happening, then, you know, I, I think it's, it's really a missed opportunity for CZ and his team, to be honest because, um, you know, they've kind of written history in a way. 
you know, um, but if, if it turns out to be another FTX situation, I think that that's actually just kind of really disappointing, but probably not surprising. Um, or if it's like a situation where, you know, Coinbase also is, is not accused of any of these different things. I think it's really shady that they were released on the same day, all of these charges, because it kind of puts them in the same bucket and they're actually two completely different cases. But exactly. I think, you know, Brian Armstrong has kind of gone, you know, he could have settled this case with Coinbase like he had, you know, with the SEC like he has previously. But he said, no, I will not delist these these tokens from my exchange. We're going to fight this. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, is that a similar case with CZ that, he, you know, they've they've been trying to put stipulations on him and his business to try and operate in that country? And he said, no. We're not we're not doing that. This is this is how we're operating. I don't know. That will all come out in the wash, I guess. So let's let's see what happens. Can he get out of out of this as well, which he's been able to for for all of these other kind of cases and maneuvered around the globe to to not come under their, um, you know, under their their rules. Right. Yeah. Coinbase is a whole other deal. Really? Is, I, yeah. I I don't think Coinbase will go anywhere long term. Actually, I haven't looked at the astrology. I think that's something that we should definitely look at. Um, I don't know, ladies. My intuition is like it's I, it's just all planned out. And I mm-hmm. feel like if Coinbase... I want to say that Coin. Don't. I'm just going to say it. I think that Coinbase is going along with this. Like I think that there is a bigger plan behind this. Call me a conspiracy woo woo theorist. I'm like, nah. Coinbase is in on this. I think that. Yeah, that's what I think. Full stop. I'm gonna leave it there. <laughs> I don't even know if it's necessarily the Coinbase is in on it. Like I don't, I think the way that the SEC is doing things is, is very below the belt. You know what I mean? They're not doing their job. They should have laid out these frameworks and everything like that. But I think what Coinbase is doing is that they are forcing them to legislate. So whether there's a big, you know, conspiracy or master plan or whatever, I I don't, you know, I don't know that we don't know. But I think Coinbase is is really kind of going, we are going to get our legislation one way or another. We're not just going to bow to you and give you money and, you know, delist whatever you tell us to. We are going to get some clarity around this one way or another. And I think that that's, that's kind of what's happening. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's very, very, very interesting times. Time will tell. Um but they are also removing their competition. Do you know what I mean? Because Coinbase is really the only, Coinbase and Binance are really the only exchanges that have the money to fight the SEC. Right. You know? um, so, you know, I don't I don't think Binance is going to exist in the US again. I don't think so. No, I um, don't think so. You know, and I think there's a lot of stuff that needs to be cleared up with Binance that's, you know, that that may be maybe true or maybe untrue. We don't we don't know as yet, but I don't think they're coming back to the US anytime soon, which, you know, coin coinbase is it really. Yeah. 
I I'm kind of waiting out on like, okay, crypto.com, you're up next. Mm. Like is something oh, gonna yeah. happen? Yeah. Right. It's up into them. They're just kind of like, help. <laughs> when are we next? And I mean, in the US, even Robinhood is, I mean, not that Robinhood was originally created as a crypto exchange, but they've just started delisting all these um, pairs. Mm, yeah, it'll be all of those. Yeah, Robinhood just delisted them as they, you know, before they, because they don't have the money that Coinbase has. They can't, they can't fight the SEC. Yeah. You know, and so they're they're just going to kind of delist and kind of shrink around in the background, I guess. But I just think the way that the way that the legislation is set up and the way that they operate is just so gross. You know, like I even like the SEC is like such a headline chaser as well. Is like you know they went after this big headline case with Kim Kardashian, you know, because she's Kim Kardashian, and they know that it'll get press oh, look what we're doing to keep the, you know, crypto space clean. And she was sued because, and settled on the lawsuit because she was, um, she didn't disclose how much she was paid for shilling a, a, an unregulated security. Hmm. But I mean, who, I've never even heard of Ethereum Max. Like who cares? Like, you know what I mean? Oh. I definitely did. I went to, yeah, I went to a Mayweather event, not because I care just because my friends and it was a club in Miami and we were like, cool, whatever. And, um, and yeah, like Mayweather, Kim Kardashian, all of them were all about ETH Max. Um, yeah. But I mean, what was it? Like, what did it do? It was just some pump and dump thing. Right. But the the thing yes. is, is that the SEC only goes after this after the celebrity. They didn't actually go after the people behind Ethereum Max, right? I don't know that detail. Obviously, they definitely made the the made it more public about Ethereum Max because I actually think maybe it was even that event that like I went to, or I don't know, it was quite some time ago. I think they actually made like you could purchase the tickets with Ethereum Max. And yeah, I think it was something around that, but I I don't care about brand new coins like that. So I don't think I even gave it two bits of attention, but yeah, really. So things like that can can go because they're not going to bother navigating legislation and setting up things properly anyway. But my point with that is, is that while they're busy suing Kim Kardashian and making headlines, you know, they're also having dinner with FTX, you know, and the, the SEC, the SEC are meant to, their whole mandate is meant to be investor protection, which is just an absolute joke. So they're busy having dinner with FTX, but they're, you know, all suing Kim Kardashian over a, a pointless coin that no one really is that interested in. And meanwhile, they're having dinner with FTX. And meanwhile, you know, Celsius as well. Like, mm. surely they're a claim. Okay, there's no legislation around crypto in the US, clear legislation. But surely there is legislation about how any financial instrument can be marketed. Whereas you have like the guy from Celsius who's on video making like, incorrect claims about his product you have Sam Bankman-Fried who's you know also making 
incorrect claims, but they, you know, they miss those. Like, it's just so, it's so pathetic the way that they, um, the way that they operate. They're not actually really doing anything. They're certainly not protecting investors. They're just chasing headlines. Yeah, absolutely. There it's, it's a big mess. It is back to what we said, literally a power struggle around Mm -hmm. finances. That's what this whole shazamble period is, uh, is about. And honestly, until brand new clear regulations and definitions are created around securities or digital securities, digital commodities, and up to date about 2023, not 1946, then maybe we'll be able to get somewhere. And, you know, while everybody's so focused on the US, there is huge, huge crypto adoption happening in places such as Asia, Russia, around the world, um, that are bigger crypto holders than the US or even in terms of wallet addresses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, and it comes back to what you said earlier, Claire, it's just like, okay, maybe, you know, it looks like the US is really stepping away from the title that they had of being the innovators. Um, and they're just letting it be to other countries right now that are really stepping in um, that are going to re- allow a lot of retail money as well to flow into crypto. Um, and, you know, fellow Americans, I I adore you and uh, get decentralized <laughs> to be yeah. a part of it. Yeah, decentralized, for sure. For sure, because there are really big games being played, I think. And you know, we can't minimize these court cases. They are a big blow for crypto. They're a huge blow to the likes of Solana, you know, ADA, all of those things. And um, yeah, it, it is a big blow because the US is an important market. But at the end of the day, maybe this is the sort of um, the decentralization of power again, right? Of 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 moving away from that that central one country that kind of runs the show and um, and decentralizing that power. I don't know. We don't know how it will play out, but we live in the most crazy and interesting times. And, um, you know, thanks Pluto and Capricorn. I mean, I just always come back with Pluto and Capricorn. It's like the closing off of those energies that started mm-hmm. in 2008. And I mean, it's, it's not a, People will laugh at me when I say this, but in my opinion, like the fiat system actually died in 2008 and Mm -hmm. it's just on life support. QE has kept it on life support since then. And as we know, the, you know, a human being can stay on life support and be completely brain dead and not functioning for a really, really long time. And so really at this point in time it's all about liquidity it's like are the fed tightening are the fed easing and um you know and that's what's moving the markets and dictating our system but um how long does that last we don't we don't know maybe i think sometimes you know because we we do this podcast every you know moon cycle basically twice a moon cycle but sometimes we talk in decades you know so it's like it's it's difficult to sort of to see how those things play out. 
definitely. Definitely. And maybe we can look at now, I guess, a bit more what's going to happen coming soon from this next new moon to the full moon. So it's going to be from new moon in Gemini on the 18th of June to what will be our next podcast on the 3rd of July, which is a full moon in Capricorn. Um, so as we know, typically for Bitcoin, going from a new moon towards a full moon means pullback. It means we yeah. are going to head down from local tops, which are created around the new moon, and we start heading down towards a full moon. Um, looking at the astrology within there, from what I personally have seen so far, and again, here we're speaking specifically about Bitcoin, I do feel like there is this distance starting to be created. And that's just the nature of cycles. This happens where, you know, Bitcoin kind of distances itself from other outcoins until then the outcoins catch up. Um, and Bitcoin, once again, just still looks really good. Um, I think it's got some consistent really good aspects um you know and as we spoke before about really uranus uranus is such a key planet and it's shining um with uranus sextile uranus for bitcoin um and uranus trying saturn for bitcoin so that's where i always said like it's the superhero vibes like bitcoin's coming mm -hmm. to save the day but the one red flag that I do see for Uranus is Mars square Uranus. So that's where I'm like, okay, squared is not a great, um, it's a challenging aspect. So again, and I, if I didn't say this happens around the 26th of June, so I'm like, okay, maybe there's going to be some challenges normal we're going from new moon to full moon maybe you know a bit of a pullback in price um but again i don't really see bitcoin going under 25k um for now for now again no financial advice guys and this is purely an astrological um analysis but I still feel like Bitcoin's just really going to hold up. Now, we really need to see once we get closer to the new moon, where we can potentially see um, price more specifically go from there. Um, but at this point, that is what I'm seeing. Um, yeah. So that's the only word flat. Are you telling me that I'm not going to get my 10K Bitcoin this year? I'm really upset about it. Oh, I mean, we're only talking about June. <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll see next eclipse season in October because even though things are looking positive right now for Bitcoin, I'm not seeing all-time highs. Yeah, I mean, we've said that all along from our first episode, actually, is 2023 is just going to be a very choppy year. And yeah. I don't... I don't think we had planned some of the things that we'd seen, you know, in this year, but it's, we, we said, I think in our first episode that 2023 is really the year of accumulation, you know, and it's like, you know, take that opportunity every time 
there's a dip to to accumulate and um, we don't know where it's going to go. Um, sadly, the astrology doesn't give us a price. Be really <laughs> nice. Did, but um you know we'll work on it <laughs> yeah but just be prepared to accumulate when the opportunities present themselves and um yeah I I also don't see all-time highs coming this year I see a lot of different different things but we have some interesting aspects though or some interesting sort of transits we've got Mars and Leo in the mm -hmm. first house which is of the shareholders so Mars and Leo kind of brings forth these qualities. You know, Leo's always Leo's my ascending. It's Corinne's son. It's <laughs> you know, it's where we get our confidence. <laughs> like basically, it's where we draw our confidence. Um, and oh. it brings forth these these um these qualities of confidence, ambition, desire for recognition, and um, so it can kind of lead to in increased drive. Like you know, Leo is very driven. And um, I sort of see, and it's like in the first house, in the terms of the shareholders, mm. you know, I kind of see that vibe from Brian Armstrong. I kind of see that vibe from the Bitcoin community, um, yeah. you know, is like, okay, bring it. We're, you know, Mars is the, the, the war planet, right? And so I think that there, there is that energy at the moment of people kind of going, okay, we, you know, bring what you've got. And there's that confidence, that ambition. And um, we also have Venus and Leo, which just makes me laugh about what you were saying, Corinne, last episode. You were way ahead of this. You know, it's, you know, when I was describing Taurus energy, it's very much about this like old money vibes, this very luxurious. Well, Leo is in Venus, it's like a different energy. It's like shopping energy. It's like <laughs> excessive luxury. It, and it's like, Venus and Leo feels like I'm going to have my my hot astrology summer, whether the markets like it or not, <laughs> you know, yes. it's like, you know, so you, you know, if you feel like that, it's very consumer driven. It's like, um, yeah, mm -hmm. very consumer spending, consumer confidence and just going out and spending. So um yeah, just be aware that that energy is there I think yeah like Leo is the perfect like Leo's love language is gifts like it's the perfect like I want to shower my queen and king with gifts like just think of literally like a royal lion that just wants to take care of the pride and does it with like hey, let me go out and hunt for you and bring you back like something. And obviously we're not lions. So we do that by going to the shopping center and bringing you back gifts. Yeah. So, <laughs> totally. It's the perfect energy. And that's why I'm like, yeah, like Bitcoin's going up. Everybody's like, let me just get in on Bitcoin. <laughs> it's much more outward. Like it's much more outward. Like the contrast between the tourists you know, both love luxury, both love expensive things, both love spending, but Taurus is much more inward. It's much more like in the home, whereas Leo is much more like outward. And yeah, like you say, I love that analogy of going out and bringing back, you know, yeah, <laughs> the prize. Yeah. And also I will actually um, rewind to Mars in Leo, friendly reminder that that is horrible for real estate. And there has been some really interesting real estate statistics coming out. So 
for those people into real estate, just go and check all of that out. Mars won't be out of Leo until the 10th of July. Mm, that's so interesting because, yeah, I mean, commercial real estate in particular is really, again, yes. like I said, there's a couple of things like not to do with the astrology, but just in the real world, I guess, you would say that I'm kind of like, uh, this is like not great for the markets. Um, you know, as I said, the treasury releases, commercial real estate is looking horrible. Um, yeah. You know, and a lot of banks either hold the mortgages for those commercial real estates or they, you know, or they're invested in commercial real estate themselves. Um, so mm, it's that those things are a little bit questionable. And, you know, as you said before and said on previous podcasts, it's like, okay, all of these kind of uncomfortable things, things that you can see on the horizon that are uncomfortable. But my question is like, okay, Bitcoin, how are you going to respond to this? Like how, because previous cycles, Bitcoin was so liquidity driven and was sort of traded as that risk asset. But, um, you know, it's just interesting to see how these shifts are happening in how Bitcoin's being viewed. And one of the interesting things that I've noted as well is that like in a bull run, Bitcoin is very strongly correlated to the NASDAQ. So it's traded as a speculative asset. It's, it's traded as a tech stock. Similar people that are taking, you know, that are buying growth stocks in the NASDAQ are also buying Bitcoin and looking at growth. Whereas when there are times of geopolitical, political and financial economic uncertainty, Bitcoin is heavily correlated to gold. So it's just fascinating to see how those sort of shifts happen mm -hmm. and um, how Bitcoin is sort of adapting to the environments. And as you said, Corinne, we don't have any way of backtesting these because Bitcoin was born in these environments. It, it's never, we've never seen, you know, how it, how it adapts to these environments. So it's really fascinating to watch. And it's kind of more tied to the astrology than it's tied to the financial, the traditional markets, which is really interesting. Uh, I love that. We're literally living through history creating times. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's really wild. And thank you, astrology, for giving us the heads up. <laughs> yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. For giving some guidance, for giving, you know, for giving some guides. Yeah. Like you said, a heads up. I mean, I don't think it, when you talked about Binance a couple of episodes ago, I don't really think anyone was thinking about that, you know, um, whereas you were able to see it in the charts before it happened. So it's so interesting to be able to do that. Yeah. And, you know, again, like just a tip for people getting into this space to always pay attention to eclipses and think about what happened the previous eclipse and what may potentially happen the next one because they're mm -hmm. just like triggers of one another, you know? So, um, yeah, October is going to be the next eclipse. Oh, boy, have I already looked at my personal astrology in October, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just praying and uh, <laughs> surrendering 
And um, yeah, it's going to be really wild times, I think. And a lot of astrologers that I, I listen to and follow because, you know, I'm definitely still growing, especially in the, the astrology in general side of things. It's different when you talk about astrology in general and then financial astrology. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of astrologers that have been doing this for years and their whole lifetimes just talk about that the next eclipse season in October we are literally going to be looking at a whole new world, guys. That is yeah. in just like three, four, five months time. So it's, yeah. it's super interesting. And, you know, this is, I'm just going to circle back to Uranus energy. Like right now with Uranus being in Taurus and Uranus is staying in Taurus all the way to 2026. Um, it's just really shaking up our earth. Taurus is the sign of the earth. Uranus governs earth, quakes, innovation, revolution. Um, society is just going through massive changes. I, It's going through massive changes through our material world, our earth. Even there, people start thinking about foods, your environments, your finances. These are the themes until 2026 that are just being absolutely revolutionized. Yeah. 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 We can, we, we should definitely speak more specifically on that on a, on an episode where we may go down a, a few other types of rabbit holes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is. And I think even, starting next year you know is again like we've already talked about pluto moving into aquarius even that is a huge shift but there is a lot happening next year as well that's very like unearthing too this but i i see 2024 as much more of a like breakthrough year not just in terms of financial astrology but definitely in terms of financial astrology but it's much more of a breakthrough year Whereas um, 2023 has always been the um, the tough one. But I think even in terms of, I'm not an expert in numerology at all, but Corinne is more aligned to it. But 2023 is um, numerology wise was always telling us that as well, right? It's the fight. It's the it like, messy fight. It is. It's, it's not a fun year. <laughs> It is not our party year, you know, 2023 is just um, a lot of kind of like a series of unfortunate events, um, but 2024 is great. So just look forward to that. That's going to be wealth, abundance. Uh, as we know through the 18.6 year cycle, there's going to be a lot of fake abundance, um, yeah. which then the consequences of that in 2026 according to astrology but um yeah even from a numerology perspective uh, perspective 2023 is yeah just yeah. just cruise here guys just prepare yeah and i mean even in terms of like you know people talk about the fed pivot they're ready for the fed to turn the taps back on you know but even that is like I guess because people are just looking for some relief. Um, but even that is not generally a bullish sign for the market straight away. 
you know, traditionally the market, right. that's when it's not really bullish sign, you know, it's more uh, the bottom is about to be printed sign. So um, I think we should prepare our readers for that because I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of articles that are released. It's like the Fed's going to pivot. It's so exciting. The taps are about to be turned back on. Great, you know, liquidity in the market. But actually, it's not usually a great sign initially. It's usually a sign that, um, especially if it happens and the Fed has not reached their 2% inflation goal, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not a good sign for the markets. It's a sign that, that things are breaking and the economy is really bad and needs rescuing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not a great sign. So let's see what 20... 23 brings maybe it'll give it Corinne and I've been Ooh. hanging up for 10k Bitcoin for so long but um <laughs> you know we kind of joke about it now but um yeah who knows what oh, yeah. the rest of 2023 brings we've kind of had a bit of a relief in a way you know a little bit throughout the summer but I think um you know there's there's more to come and and you guys are coming into an election year and mm -hmm. I personally think that is a time that I'm going to be turning off the news because I think it's going to be really dirty. It's going to get really yeah. dirty, you know? Yeah. And um, I just am not interested in kind of engaging my energy and that kind of vibe, you know? It's so spin um, people out for sure. And maybe we'll, we'll even see some of that strange uh, AI where it's not really happening. But it was, mm. yeah, I was talking about that with someone today. But yeah, we'll spin people out for sure. It'll be a good time to have um, heart coherent skills and uh, practices to stay centered in reality, you know. Mm. Wow. Big time for that. Big time for that. And yeah, that, like you said, that all comes with Aquarian age, with Pluto eventually going back into Aquarius, Saturn in Pisces. Uh, it's about the illusions, the illusions that are just constantly being presented to us. And, um, oh, I didn't even mention, and maybe, you know, um, it's important to point out as of the 17th of June, the day right before the next new moon uh, in Gemini, Saturn's going into retrograde in Pisces mm. um so that in itself is going to be you know just a a different kind of shake up where it's just a friendly reminder on hey responsibilities are you looking at those are you taking care of those um and it can spark a lot of um ambition productivity as well um mm. around this time but it is a further confirmation of needing to um really look during this time at terms conditions rules regulations discipline control authority so there it wow. is ladies and gentlemen they're all written through the astrology and that's staying saturn in pisces retrograde is until the 4th of november mm. 2023 yeah. It's really like a foundational year, I think. It's like getting things in order. Like I think there's a lot of different things coming up in 
in different areas of the world as well like a lot of things being uncovered and pulled up like you know i don't know if you guys follow things to do with the church but there's all sorts of scandals i mean i feel like we have one every week you know a lot of things being uncovered and like i said to a friend of mine the other day it feels like god is cleaning house and i think broader scheme of things that's what 2023 has been it's like god is cleaning house in a lot of these different areas um a lot of you know areas areas of power you know in terms of religion the church financial areas politics and um i think that's going to all play out on the main stage of your election (laughs) oh my god I think we should put together a list of things that we've actually called on this podcast and just review them at the end of the year and go, okay, tick that off. That would be a great episode. (laughs) The checklist, the end of 2023 checklist that then we can rip up and throw out and burn because we're going to be done with this year and ready for abundance in 2024. Yeah. Yeah. And as you say, like, I I think that's also the reminder is that it's, you know, everything right now, since 2008, everything has been driven by quantitative easing and has been driven by liquidity, which is fake abundance. It's like the, the machine allowing the financial system to continue breathing. It's not, it's driven by liquidity, not productivity anymore, which is I mean, makes me really uncomfortable, but hey, it is what it is. It's what we've got to work with. We're not in control of these things, but it is definitely something to keep in the back of your mind um, that, that um, you know, that, that that's what's driving the market and um, that's what's driving the system. And as Corinne mentioned, the 18.6 year cycle again um, and property, um, the 2026 is the end of the, the American 18 year property cycle, right? So that's also important to keep in mind um, because that has followed for hundreds of years and um, has been aligned with that 18.6 year property cycle. Um, sorry, 18 year cycle and 18.6 year um, astrological cycle for hundreds of years. So, um, yeah, interesting times ahead, hey? Yeah. Very. Very We've just got to survive 2023. Let's just survive it, ladies. <laughs> yeah, we're just floating through this year. I'm just like, yeah, I'll just flow. Like my my uh, my Saturn's probably screaming at me, but I'm like, oh, responsibilities. We'll take care of that in 2024. We just got to get yeah. through this year. And it's just being able to pivot as well, because I personally feel like I'm thriving, but it's only because I'm a trader. And so, right, do you know what I mean? mean? If I was just someone that was sitting in crypto waiting for the next bull run, you know, I would be miserable. But like, you know, trading has been has been really, you know, thriving in that in that respect. So, yeah, it's just it's just having that ability to pivot and be flexible and give what is you know take what is given to you and and work with what is given to you instead of um what you want it to be (laughs) yeah perfect well we might wrap things up there yeah and happy new moon to all of our listeners 
All righty, ladies. Well, thank you so much and um, happy new moon. And we will see you in a couple of weeks. Peace and love and Bitcoin. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bitcoin Zodiac podcast. We hope that our discussions about cryptocurrency, trading, the faces of the moon, and spirituality have inspired you to explore these topics further. As always, DYOR, do your own research. Stay tuned for our next episode where we will continue to dive deeper and build off of these perception expanding topics. Remember, whatever your beliefs may be, we all have something to learn from each other. So stay curious, stay open-minded, and keep exploring the world of Bitcoin and astrology. Until next time, these are your hosts signing off. May the stars align in your favor and your Bitcoin investments prosper. Peace and love and Bitcoin. Namaste.